0: Good evening, everyone. Um I'd like to call the May 24th, 2022 Longmont City Council regular session
1: to order. May we have a roll call, please? Mayor Peck? Present. Councilmember Dagoferring? Here. Councilmember Martin? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez? Here. Councilmember Waters? Here. Councilmember Yarbrough? Here. Mayor, you have a quorum. Thank you. Let's stand for the pledge, please.
2: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one
0: nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. As a reminder uh, to the public, this meeting is being live streamed. You can watch it also on the longmontpublicmedia.org forward slash watch and also uh, on YouTube. Um, Anyone wishing to speak at first call public invited to be heard will need to add his or her name to the list outside the council chambers. Only those on the list will be invited to speak at the first public invited to be heard. Speakers who do not place their names on the list will have the opportunity to speak during public hearing items this evening or at the final call public invited to be heard on any item at the end of the meeting. We have two uh, minutes, meeting minutes, to approve. The first one is the April 26th mi- minutes. Can I have a motion? Thank you. All right, that's been uh, the April 26, 2022 minutes have been approved by Mayor Pro Tem, no, I'm sorry, by uh, Councillor Waters, seconded by Councillor Yarbrough, let's vote. And that passes unanimously. The second one is the May 10th, 2022 regular session minutes. Thank you. All right. So uh, those have been, that motion's been moved by Councillor Water, seconded by Councillor Hidalgo-Ferring. Let's vote. And that carries, passes unanimously as well. Uh, Lucienne, do we have any agenda revisions? No, we do not, Mayor. Thank you. Do any of the councillors have uh, anything they want to add to f- um, items to future agendas? Um, no, I just wanted to let
3: can,
0: you know
2: that I'm going to pull something from the consent agenda. Just didn't <laughs> Thanks for the heads up there, Marsha.
0: Okay, <laughs> can we have a city manager's report?
2: No report, Mayor Council.
0: All right, do we have any? It doesn't look like we any, have any special reports or presentations. Uh, so this is the first call public invited to be heard.
1: And we did not have anyone sign up for first call, Mayor. Thank you.
0: Yep, first time we've never had that. So now we have the consent agenda. Lucienne, would you mind reading the title of the first ordin- reading ordinances?
1: I would be happy to. All right, ordinances on this consent agenda will be set for second reading and public hearing on June 14, 2022, unless otherwise noted following the item title. Item 9A is Ordinance O 2022-20, a bill for an ordinance conditionally approving the vacation of four utility and storm drainage easements within the exterior boundaries of Lot 2 of Longs Peak Industrial Park slash Sunset Diagonal Business Park Minor Subdivision B, generally located at 1820 Industrial Circle. Item 9B is Resolution R-202289, a resolution of the Longmont City Council authorizing loans from the fund balance in the city's fleet fund to the DDA Construction Fund and the DDA Arts and Entertainment Fund and providing for repayment of the loans from the DDA Tax Increment Income Fund. Item 9C is Resolution r 2022 a resolution of the Council of the City of Longmont, Colorado, finding that the petition for annexation of parcels of land located in Boulder County, State of Colorado, known as the McIntosh Lake Annexation, generally located north of Lakeshore Drive, south of State Highway 66, west of Harvard Street, substantially complies with the Colorado Revised Statute, section 31-12-1071. Item 9D is Resolution R-2022-91, A resolution of the Longmont City Council approving contract amendment number one to the intergovernmental agreement between the city and the Colorado Department of Human Services Office of Behavioral Health for a grant for a law enforcement assisted diversion program. Item 9E is Resolution R-2022-92, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the amendment to the intergovernmental agreement between the City and the Colorado Department of Human Services, Office of Behavioral Health, for contract amendment number 4, for original contract number 21, IHJA-160883, for Longmont Public Safety's LEAD Program. Item 9F is Resolution R-2022-93, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement Between the City of Longmont and State of Colorado Department of Human Services, Office of Behavioral Health for a Co-Responder Services Group Program Grant. Item 9G is Resolution R-2022-94, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement with the University of Colorado Boulder and the Longmont Department of Public Safety for the provision of law enforcement and administrative personnel. Item 9H is Resolution R 2022-95, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the first amendment to the intergovernmental agreement between the city and University of Colorado for professional services for hydraulic fracturing water quality monitoring study at Union Reservoir. Item 9I is Resolution R 2022-96, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement between the city and Boulder County for the temporary use of a pedestrian bridge at Hile Valley Ranch open space. Item 9J is R. Resolution R-2022-97, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement between the city, Boulder County, and the city of Boulder for collaboration on a regional grant management system. Item 9K is the Resolution R-2022-98, it's a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving an amendment to the intergovernmental agreement between the City of Longmont and the State of Colorado Department of Local Affairs for grant funding for Defense Council First Appearance Grant Program. And Item 9L is Resolution r 202299. 99 a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the intergovernmental agreement between the City and the State of Colorado Energy Office for a grant to develop a benchmarking portal.
0: Thank you, Lucy. Uh, Councillor
1: Martin.
3: You wanted to pull an item? Yes, thank you, Mayor Peck. I would like to pull items F,
0: H, and J. Does anyone else want to pull items? It doesn't look like it. Can I, You want to make a motion to move it then? Sorry
3: about that. Yes, I move the consent agenda less items F, H,
0: and J. OK, all right. So the consent agenda has been moved minus F, H, and J by Councillor Martin, seconded by Councillor Waters. Let's vote. So that passes uh, unanimously. Thank you. So now we're going to uh, come to the ordinance on second reading and public hearings on any matter. matter. Uh, A is uh, Ordinance 02022-18, a bill for an ordinance authorizing a long-term water supply agreement between the City of Longmont, acting by and through its water utility enterprise, East Cherry Creek Valley Water and Sanitation District, acting on its own and on behalf of its East Cherry Creek Valley Water Activity Enterprise, Incorporated, Arapahoe County Water and Wastewater Authority, and United Water and Sanitation District. Is there a staff report on this? No, it doesn't look like it. Uh, Do we have any questions from Council? Nope. Is there uh, anyone in the audience that would like to speak on Ordinance 2022-18? Seeing none, we would ask. I ask for a motion for a council member to move this. So
2: moved.
0: All right, it's uh, ordinance 2022-18 has been moved by Councilor Martin and seconded by Councilor uh, Yarbrough, and that passes unanimously. The second one is a, is uh, ordinance 2022-19. A bill for an ordinance amending Chapter 13.20, Sections 13.20.010, 13.20.070, and 13.20.90 of the Longmont Municipal Code on definitions for public lands, facility, and shelter reservation and hours of use. Do we have a staff report on this?
2: Uh, No, mayor. But uh, what I did want to say is, since Sandy covered for me when I was out moving my daughter back, I would be happy to answer any questions from council on this item.
0: Okay, thank you. Are there any anybody in the public that would like to address this ordinance? Uh, Seeing none. uh, Are there any questions from councilors? Yes. Oh, there you are, Councilor Hidalgo Ferry.
4: Thank you, Mayor. Um, you know, this has come up um, at the um, the liaison for the NGLA, um, and there has been concern over the change in the park hours. Um, one of the things that came up is, you know, we have residents who maybe walk their dog or, you know, go and will swing on the swing for a little bit and then go home, um, and it might and would be after you know, it, it would be, out, you know, well after an hour after sunset. So, you know, I guess I just wanted some clarification on, because I've heard a couple of things from, folks, from staff that, no, you got to clear out, or no, you can hang out, but as long as you're not there for, for hours, or they're really targeting, um, you know, undesirable behavior. So really, what does that mean when we clo- say the parks are closed one hour,
2: so in I'm going to have Sandy person. jump in, too, to help me on this. I think yes. there's one provision in this that really talks about as you're moving through the park, mm-hmm. and that's a key provision. So if you're moving through the park and you're not consistently staying in a location, that's an allowed use under the definition of it. And, and David actually can jump in this other piece. And I think the other depends. Are you moving through the park? Or are you just staying there? Or you're, is it a more extended time frame? But generally... I think I would say is if you're just kind of moving through, then there's not an issue there. Is that,
4: yeah. Okay. And then I guess it's, so. Then I'm going to go back. So the moving through, um, you know, if somebody was, you know, playing with their kid swinging on a swing, or I don't know who would be playing with their kid at night, but <laughs> that late at night, not in my house, but, uh, um, but you know, maybe swinging on a swing for a little bit, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Is that would that warrant been being asked to move, or...
5: Mayor Peck and Councilmember Hidalgo-Faring, you know, what we talked about last time was a little bit of this nuance around enforcement, right? The idea is to make sure that the parks are safe for the community, that's the goal. Um, and, you know, as Harold mentioned, you know, moving through the park, walking through the park, using them as transportation is, is allowed in the code. If somebody is, you know, walking and playing on a swing for a few minutes, my guess is that we're probably not going to cite them. Um, as if they're tagging a shelter or doing something like that, right? I mean, the idea is to keep the park safe. And, of course, we would ask our public safety folks to use their judgment as they have to use every single day on everything that they're looking at in front of them.
4: Okay. And then so just for clarification then, if the individual is is doing something, you know, maybe smoking or doing something that's undesirable for that and they're maybe not even part of the neighborhood, um, that would be something that, the, the police, the public safety, is really looking to identify.
5: That's where we're asking them to use their best judgment. Is this is something yeah. that's that's really going against the ordinance, right? The idea is that the parks are closed. And so, you know, if somebody is in there, you know, trying to loiter or, yeah. like I said, tagging something or doing mm-hmm. something that's after dark, if they're staying there, then, mm-hmm. you know, they, they probably will be asked to move along because the park okay. is closed.
4: Okay. And then, yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, in the case of neighbors, you know, people walking their dog, there it. It's, it's intended that's, use, that's and problem. it's
2: not a problem. That's right. So, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think the best – I'll give you an example where I was out with actually someone from public safety during the day. So not even – I mean, you evaluate what's – they evaluate what's going on. In this case, is a gathering. You had alcohol use. You had – and so they're watching, and they're taking in information, and then they're making their – they're taking their judgment and then dealing with the issue that they've seen. And, and, and part of this is – People call in too, and so we recently had calls about people were in the ditches starting fires, open fires, and it didn't come into dispatch, but it came in. If that were to come into dispatch, then we dispatch, we assess, and we go through the process just like we would anything else. Okay,
4: okay, uh, thank you. Would
0: you like to move that? All right, so 2022-19 has been moved by Councillor Hidalgo-Ferring, seconded by um, Councillor Yarbrough. vote. Um, can't we still have
4: discussion
0: after? That? Oh, I'm sorry. You certainly may.
6: Number eight went on.
0: No. Do I get the floor? Do you want
3: it? Do you want yeah, it? I do. You okay, can have it, it first, I don't care.
6: How do we, I just, just following up on the questions. Um, from Councilmember Hidalgo, Ferry. how do we? What do we do now? Right, we we have a, an eleven o'clock closing time. Um, I'm guessing whether it's eleven o'clock or an hour after sunset, the patterns of behavior will be that are allowed and, and not. It will be the same. Same process. enforcement will be the same. So what do we do now?
2: I think it's what we said. It's you're you're looking at it. You're evaluating. It's education. It's talking to folks. Um, that's a big piece of it. You know, it's not coming in and saying we're going to ticket you. It's here are the hours of the park, here's what we expect, here's what we need you to do, and... Um, so the response to NGLA
6: right. members or anybody else is there's nothing, no. because of changing change in the ordinance, there's nothing that's changing in terms of enforcement. Uh, only that the hours in which enforcement occurs may change in terms of uh, people not being... In. I, I have to say this time of year, an hour after sunset, almost at 11 o'clock anyway, so, right. but, it's, but nothing. I mean, I know there. these are part of the concerns and it's, it's, it's nothing different than what we've been doing for the last 30 years, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, all right.
4: Thank you, Mayor Peck. Um,
3: is this an appropriate time to move, I mean, I support this ordinance and I will be voting for it, but is this an appropriate time to move some guidance on Enforcement and let the staff vote on that. I'm sorry, let the council vote on that, excuse me.
2: Um, I guess that's a hard question for me to answer because enforcement is inherently an operational component. Yeah, and so and it's not,
3: it's a, po- it's, it's a, it's probably policy, but I'll tell you what, I'll just agree to calmly withdraw it and nag everybody afterwards if it's not appropriate.
2: Yeah, I think understanding is the key for me, Um, and we can have that conversation.
3: Sure. Then what I would like to do is say that um, we have uh, some safety uh, upgrades that are going to be made to the restrooms in the parks as each park is renewed on the standard cycle. And I think we upgraded Lanyon. In advance, because we were having problems there. At least there's a camera there. I'm not sure if there's the no, we, only, doors. we
2: only upgraded the lighting in the pavilions, okay. but there's more that we're going to work on, generally in the park.
3: Right. So the the upgrade model is is present and operational now at Affalter Park, and one may enter the restroom um, safely because uh, when someone's in there, it's locked, and when they come out, it unlocks, and you always know when there's someone in there, which makes it a lot safer at night. And, um, you know, there's an obvious way of abusing a park when you're walking through it at night um, uh, if the restroom is closed. And since it would be safe for it to be open, uh, I would like to move that as parks are renewed, the uh, enforcement policy Uh, uh, for restrooms is not to close them when the park closes, but leave them available to people walking through the park.
0: Is there a second for that motion?
3: Yeah, I was waiting for Harold oh. to say is it appropriate or not before expecting a second. Um,
2: so, so what I would say at this point is I think there's other components that we have to have in place. Um, it was interesting. I had a resident talk to me about this issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, um, you know, when we've evaluated the challenges that we've faced, it um, wasn't one park, it was multiple parks. And I just started going down the litany of, you know, it was land and it was car, it was golden ponds, it was... Um, half Park. It was, um, what's the park near Fall River, David? Stephen, Stephen Dave Park. And I think what I said to him is, this is what we needed to do to control the issue and, and get our hands around the issue today. I think there are many components that will need to come along with it. It'll need to be cameras. It'll need to be smart lighting because the other challenge that we're seeing in this is it's not just the fact that they're open for use, it's the fact that the destruction that's actually occurred in many of our restrooms, um, close to what, a half a million in and, and, and cost, and, and those are when restrooms are open.
3: Yes, sir, but you, you do understand I'm saying this should only be applied to the hardened and locking restrooms as they come into a- operation, correct?
2: Correct, and I and I think what I w- what we would have to say is we need some of those other components in there to ensure that if hardened can mean a lot of things. Um, I, I think we talked about this. Um, I've seen examples in schools where they have literally stolen the urinals, mm-hmm. um, and so I think those are things we have to evaluate to go. What's the risk? And I think we're will we want to look at keeping them open side of the equation, our park staff have to clean up, and mm-hmm. so we understand the issue. Um, and so I think as long as we have the ability as staff to evaluate and ensure that we have all the parameters in place to ensure that we don't go into another round of vandalism in the, in the restrooms, um, I don't see an issue with it. But I think it's, it's more than just the hardened facilities.
3: So does that mean I should withdraw this now and keep nagging or does it mean that we can vote on this but you're going to decide what hard enough is?
2: I think I need that capability um, to decide what hardened enough is. Um,
3: Okay, then let's move that we will leave the restrooms open for people crossing the parks when the city parks operations declares them to be hardened enough on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, they have to be hard enough.
0: Do we have any discussion on this motion? Yes? Oh. Okay, well, I would have to say that I I am not going to vote for this because I think it's too early in um, the operational component to make a hardened motion when we don't know where it's going yet. Uh, I would rather wait and, and see maybe next year, actually, after we've after we've worked through this, to see where we are and get a report from. My other problem with it is that even though they lock when you get in and unlock when you get out, we don't want people sleeping in there and um, in those bathrooms. So to leave them... The the ability to be able to go into them at any hour uh, makes me nervous. I I would rather wait. So I'm not going to vote for this motion. Number eight. Number eight. uh, Councilor Waters. (laughs) I'll just go
6: by eight. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to vote against it as well. Uh, not because I don't think it's a good idea. I think there's a bigger f- policy frame <clears throat> when we get down the road. I think this does cross the line in terms of operations. I think it's too early for us. And this on a Tuesday night for us to be given this kind of direction, I see our, some of our public safety folks out here. Um, I think everybody understands the intent. I just think um, I, I just am not ready to start getting to that level of direction unless I'm clear on what the policy frame is and what we're, what the objectives are we're trying to accomplish. Not just in terms of restrooms being open, but what we're trying to create, what we're trying to accomplish through this whole approach with um, with parks and and civil behavior in the parks, et cetera. So, uh, not 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 that it's not a good idea. I just think it's too early, and I think it's too uh, detailed or
3: too narrow. Well, I don't think a narrow um, incremental beginning is uh, would preclude. A broader policy at the end, but for the mayor's information, the installation at Affalter precludes people sleeping in the restroom because, after a a short period of time, if the person has not exited the uh, restroom, uh, the an alarm goes off and they can't sleep in there, and it can and it's recurring.
0: So, okay, thank you you for that. So let's vote. The motion has been made by Councillor Martin, seconded by Councillor Faring on uh, leaving the restrooms open after they have been, what you had said was hardened. Okay. So let's vote. So that fails with uh, Councillor Hidalgo, Faring, uh, myself, Tim Waters, uh, Mayor Pro Tim Rodriguez, Councillor Yarbrough voting against it, and Councillor Martin voting for. Thank you, everybody. So now we're going to go uh, to items removed from the. Uh, I'm sorry. What what motion? The original motion was just to pass the ordinance. That's right. Any motion. Yeah. So now we are going back to the main motion to pass 22-19. That was moved by Councillor Hidalgo-Ferring, seconded by Councillor Yarbrough. Let's vote. And that carries unanimously. Thank you. So now we're going to the items removed from the consent agenda. Councillor uh, Martin, you are up again. You pulled FHNJ. Um, Ordinance F. This was resolution R22-93. Ah, thank you Mayor Peck. Um,
3: Yes, this is the co-responders program um, and I support the co-responders program and will not vote against it no matter what answers I get right now. But I do have a question in terms of maximizing the utility of the program. Uh, do we have data on uh, the frequency of calls in which there is a mental health crisis aspect during business hours or versus evenings and weekends when co-responders are not available?
7: Okay, uh, my name is James Brown. I'm the assistant uh, uh, chief in charge of collaborative services, which is where uh, our core unit uh, Mm -hmm. is. And so, as far as the actual data goes, uh, we do, we're constantly analyzing the data and we're taking a look at the most effective hours where we we should have our core team uh, staffed. I, I think that's maybe uh, kind of what you're asking. And so it's a constant evaluation. In fact, as we take a look at it, so uh, last year, uh, the court team had about 5,000 contacts. Half of those were uh, directly related to to mental health crisis calls. Uh, As far as the ratio, as far as how many calls are police responding to that have a a mental health component to it, uh, I don't have that exact uh, figure available. Um, And You know, it might be difficult to get an exact figure without having um, information as far as, you know, on the calls that we we get where we get the information that there's a a mental health, um, someone's in crisis or there's an issue going on, we have that information and we have that data. But I would speculate that uh, there's quite a bit more calls that we go on that have that element piece to it that maybe we're not aware of in the moment or isn't part of the information that we're receiving at the time.
3: I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Um, well, no, because the the biggest concern I have is when a call happens when there is no co-responder available, but maybe there should have been. For example, I was in the middle of a mental health crisis call, not for myself, but for a person staying in my home, um, and the co-responder staff wasn't on duty sure. at that time. So. I think that, that there are two things that should be happening. One is is that at dispatch time, that information should be recorded. Um, and second, that, that the corresponder hours should be adjusted accordingly. Because it doesn't make sense to me that most the, most of the calls would happen during business hours. And what are the corresponder on-duty times now? Uh, with
7: varying degree there. Uh, run from about 8 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night. Uh, that gets adjusted for seasonal adjustments and when we see trends or uh, we see needs to adjust those hours. So it's a it's a flexible, it's not a set uh, that they're, they're only here during these time frames. We, we take a look at the data, the, our calls for service, and try to uh, schedule our resources during those times where, where they're going to be highly utilized. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of the long-term vision of this is to continue to, to grow that and have more availability of of the co-responder resources, I think the ultimate goal would be to, to get it to where we, we do have that 24-7 coverage. We're not there
2: right now, but that's what we're working towards in the future. Okay. So I wanted to add to that. So uh, that is a conversation that um, uh, Chief Artis and I are having, um, and that's part of James. what James is, J- is going to look at. I'm used to calling him J.B. Um, but what he's going to look at in the example I will give you in terms of what he's going to bring to the scenario. So when we were having the staffing issues in terms of patrol, what they started doing was evaluating call volumes, evaluating what was happening, really identifying peak times of calls, and then they started shifting patrol to really get out to ensure that we have the appropriate staffing at the right time. That's the work that he has to undertake now so that we can really watch the data and ensure that We're where we need to be until we can essentially get to the point where we have a 24-hour operation. And um, every day shows its own characteristics. Every season shows its own characteristics. Thursdays, for some reason, Thursdays (laughs) from about, what, 4 to about 10 o'clock tend to be high volume. That's the data they're going to be watching so that they can adjust to ensure that we can have them on as often as we can. But mm-hmm. we know we're trying to figure out how do we eventually get to a twenty-four hour operation core.
3: Okay, and that's a, a perfectly good example, or I'm sorry, explanation. And um, uh, I, I would also like to ask about weekends and holidays. Is it yes, no, case by case.
7: Yeah, no. I mean, we just like any other police services, we we operate during holidays, during weekends. Um, again, it's all. It's all data-driven uh, right now, but uh, we, just because it's the weekend or the holiday doesn't mean that, that our, our core team's not going to be there. There may be some holidays that our, our core team isn't there for whatever reason, but as, as a general practice and as a, as a general rule, the weekends or the holidays don't don't play into the equation. It's, uh, uh, we need to be, we need to have our resources here and, and serve our community at the time that our community needs us. And so...
2: Whatever those times dictate is those times where,
3: where we'll be there. So, Okay, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and to add to that, what I've learned from them when I was during that time, certain holidays have their own characteristics too. And so there's certain holidays where they say, mm, probably not this one. There's other holidays when you look at mental health and things, they may go, we really need you here. So that's part of all of the work that they're looking at.
0: Councilor Martin, would you like to move that resolution? Okay, um, I move resolution uh, 2022-93. Thank you, 2022-93. Second. So it's been moved by Councilor Martin, seconded by uh, Councilor hidalgo Ferry. let's vote. That passes unanimously. Councillor Martin, the next one is yours, too. It is H, uh, Resolution R-2022-95.
3: Uh, yes, thank you, Mayor Peck. Um, this is about um, monitoring the water quality in Union Reservoir. Um, and I just have a couple of questions uh, about uh, what, what we expect the sources of the contamination to be. I understand that uh, we have not found any to date, which is an excellent thing. I also understand that some of the um, uh, planned excavations around uh, Union Reservoir are now off the table, um, and that the only ones remaining are on the opposite non-Longmont side of Union Reservoir, still close enough to be a concern. Uh, But uh, uh, that's that's all there is left. Uh, So my question is, do we expect that the possible sources of contamination are already in the water table under the reservoir from earlier fracking attempts or operations? Uh, Or do we expect that we are looking for Contamination that would result as a result uh, from from new fracking or from refracking of, for example, the Night Well.
8: Um, Mayor Peck, members of council, Annie Noble, Environmental Services Manager. Um, I think we don't expect to find any fracking fluids or any contamination in Union Reservoir, but we feel that it's important to continue to test. We've been testing for three years, and um, we sample monthly. Um, between I think April and November, and we sample um, five locations in the reservoir. We also do groundwater sampling at five locations north of the reservoir. Um, we also test not only for these fracking fluids, but also nutrients, algae, volatile organics. Um, we have you know an ongoing baseline monitoring study that we're looking at all kinds of constituents. So. You know, we don't expect to find fracking compounds, but, you know, we're continuing to monitor for them, and we're also monitoring the quality in Union Reservoir. I mean, we, we know that algae is a concern. Um, it's You know, we're having hotter summers, and um, there's also separate from our testing, we test the rangers I believe test for E. coli at the swim beach on a weekly basis. So we're doing all kinds of, you know, a comprehensive evaluation of the quality of the, of the reservoir. So we hope that we don't find any of these constituents, but we, we are continuing to test. So we've been testing for fracking fluids for three years, and this IGA is for a continuation of that for once a month um, for the summer periods. So I hope I answered your question. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, any other questions?
0: Looks like we're good. All right, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Um, So would you like to move that resolution? Yes.
3: Stupidly turned my, yeah.
0: Um, All right, I move adoption of uh, resolution R 2022-95. Second.
7: So
0: it's been moved by Councillor Martin, seconded by Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. Let's vote. And that passes unanimously. And the next one is also yours, Councillor Martin. It is Resolution J-R-2022-97. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Um,
3: Yes, uh, I uh, have a very strong interest in upping the city's game when it comes to uh, securing grants straight across the board. And I'm very happy that the city is is um, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, come down here, Becky, because my questions are software. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that we're working on that. And if this means good, you know, upgrading the software, then I'm, I am for it. Um, here are my questions. I think that the council should be uh, aware of what is going on on the grant front earlier. You know, the the council obviously has to award permission for a specific application and then has to award acceptance for uh, uh, money when it comes. Um, But I would like us to be able to be aware of the pipeline and based on policy beliefs and considerations that we have, to know whether the right stuff is in the pipeline and to be able to say something about it if it's not. Will this new software enable us to have uh, any more awareness of what's going on on that front than we have now, which is none?
2: So this is a software for the grants that we give to human service agencies. Mm -hmm. And so this software is grant management for us internally and, and, and our funding streams. Okay, so funds. this is
3: not document management for applications
2: at all. No, this is our grant process where we give funds. Correct. So, so Mayor Peck and uh, Councilor Martin, uh, Council Members, yes, that there is doc- The
1: documents are coming to us. This is for our for our grantees that we mm-hmm. fund through the Human Services
0: Agency set aside.
3: Okay, right. So my questions are are um, are are not appropriate for this vote, but. Um, while I have the floor, I'd really like to say that I th- still think it's important that council has more transparency into the application process than we have now.
2: And, and so when we can talk about, um, I know that there's an info item coming in terms of the federal funds and, and that we're going to give to you all that basically says here's what we qualify for, here's what we don't qualify for, here's what we're in the pipeline for. Um, I know Sandy just gave me a draft on that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I know uh, Chief Artist just restructured one of his positions for a grant management work. Becky has one of those positions, and we're going to start working holistically to, mm-hmm. to kind of answer some of those questions.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, an example of doing the right thing is the active developments log map where anybody can look any time and at least know where to start and who to start with. And uh, so that was my concern and I apologize for not understanding what this particular software was for. I'll
0: okay, Councilor Martin, do you want to move that then? Okay, so I do move
3: adoption of uh, Resolution R-2022-97.
0: So that has been moved by Councilor Martin, seconded by Councilor Yarbrough. Let's vote. That passes unanimously. We are now at general business and I believe there's probably a presentation on uh, participation in Colorado's paid family medical leave insurance program.
5: Chair Peck, before Gina gets started on her presentation, I just wanted to kind of tee this up a little bit because it seems like there's been a miscommunication on what family applies to in this context. Um, So I just wanted to be really clear that what we're talking about is Family Medical Leave Insurance Act application to the city and employees as an employer. Okay. So there's there's no rule or law that we, the City of Longmont, can make that would affect other businesses or any of their decision-making. Um, I would say that you know, most private businesses are, do fall under this Insurance Act. There are a few exceptions where people can opt out. Municipalities are one of those. So the conversation tonight is to discuss what family is, what it is not, uh, why our recommendations um, are what they are. So with that, I would love to turn it over to Gina, unless Harold wanted to add anything else.
2: Um, I think there's also the piece of this is us as an employer. not us as a city, where we're not making this decision for other employers in the community. I wanted to reiterate, it's for us as an employer, Um, and then I'll jump in as Gina's going.
5: Yeah, so we'll turn it over to Gina to, to give you some information, and then happy to help you walk through the conversation. Great, thank you.
9: Good evening, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. My name is Gina Perino and I am the Compensation and Benefits Manager for the City. Tonight I am here to talk with you about FAMILY, which is the Family and Medical Leave Insurance Act that was passed in 2020 by Colorado voters. And essentially what it is, is it is 12 weeks of paid leave for an individual to take in which they will receive a portion of their pay uh, for a qualifying event. So now I think let's start with what is, you know, what is family? So we went through that. Now let's talk a little bit about what it does.
8: I'm going to actually start your screen up so that you can
9: move it. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, this is only my second time doing this. <laughs> I'm not a pro yet. Neither am I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, i make been good
9: company. Um, So the one thing I think that we should start with, now that we know what family is, is let's talk through how it compares to what the City of Longmont already offers. And we've prepared a slide for you that shows that. For our full-time regular benefited staff, the entry-level amount of sick leave we offer is 96 hours per year. During that leave, employees are compensated for 100% of their salary. And if they get into leave usage donations, they're compensated for 75% of their salary. Um, And currently, full-time benefit employees, we have 857 that fall into that category. The next group we have are our part-time non-benefited and our temporary employees. They receive up to 48 hours of paid sick leave, and it's accrued by pay period. And one thing I want to say about that is that is a new program that the state of Colorado just put into place so that temporary and part-time employees also accrue sick leave. Secondly, if they are on that approved leave, they're getting paid 100% of their salary. They are also eligible for a portion of leave donations in which they would be receiving 75% of their salary. So now if we look at that compared to what family offers, it is the 12 weeks of paid leave if you meet the qualifying event. However, the leave is only a percentage of your salary. And it falls between 37% to 90% of your salary to cap at $1,100 weekly. The cost of the program is 0.9% of an employee's salary with 0.45% being contributed by the employee and the other 0.45% is contributed by the employer. One thing that makes it unique is they they allowed municipalities the ability to be able to opt out of this program. The reason why that would be attractive is because if we have employees that really want to participate in this program, they can do so. The state has allowed employees to opt in on their own and receive the exact same benefit as if they were part of the employer group. They are not required to pay the full .9 percent of their salary. They would only be required to pay the .045 percent that they would be collected anyway if they were an employee. Why that becomes attractive is if you have employees that want to opt in, they can. However, if we opt in as the city and we have employees that don't want to participate, don't feel like they can afford to participate, um, then they don't have the ability to opt out. Once the city opts in, it is as a whole. And there is no ability for people that just don't want to participate or wouldn't use the benefit. Therefore, our recommendation for this would be that we would opt out. And use it as a tool though to highly educate our employees coming in, signage in our buildings, which is all very closely regulated by the state, that if we do opt out we have to have signage stating that employees do have the right to opt in. We have to notify new employees that they do have the right to opt in. And we have to uh, make sure that they're well informed. One thing that we've looked at to ensure that this happens is including this, this information in all new hire packets and in all new hire orientations. So the employees are very well, that, very well aware that they do have this option even though the city opted out.
5: Gina, let me add one other thing too. In addition to making sure that employees understand their options, right, so if the city did opt out, as Gina said, employees still can opt into the program at the same cost and the same to them. Um, and the city w- is willing to administer that program for them. So we would be collecting that and remitting it to the state on their behalf. So uh, not everybody who's opting out is doing that. But it's, it's important for us to make sure that people understand their options. By opting out, we're not requiring everybody to do it. It doesn't create uh, that requirement. And at the same time, we will absolutely assist people who determine that this is something that's beneficial for them to make sure that they're able to um, participate in the program.
9: So just to reiterate why our recommendations are to opt out is, one, that staff that wishes to participate can do so in either scenario. Um, it, it Really, it's focused on the ability for staff to choose what they want to do and really to make the decision on if it's something that they feel would benefit them or if it's something that they feel would not benefit them. Uh, and staff has indicated that they would actually rather choose to participate Uh, versus being forced. We actually put out a notice to all employees and gave them the option to either come tonight to make public and open comments or we gave them an email address that they could send to the HR email or some have even just emailed Sandy. Um, So we have gotten a fair amount of comments and quite a few of them have been from people saying um, that they would prefer to not participate and have the choice to do so if they determine it's right for them.
2: I would add that we also had the conversation with the employee advisory group. And so so you all know the employee advisory group is made up of representatives from across the organization. Um, really, um, we only have one administrative rep on, on the group. We had this conversation with them, and I think once um, we got through and once everyone understood it, I mean, because it was really kind of hard to understand at first, they really it reiterated the same component. There were a couple of individuals that said, um, you know, we, we want to do it, uh, but uh, everyone else was really at the point of saying, you know, give us the choice as to whether or not to participate and you know, and they also talked about the fact that I think this is about a half a million dollars that we would have to c- contribute and and they said that's a half a million that we could look at in terms of salary and And the reason why I think they said that to me is because they can participate at the same contribution rate no matter what we choose to do. And so that, just to know, we were really trying to engage our staff and that's what we actually, if you haven't heard about the employee advisory group, those are the kind of things that I bring them, I meet with them monthly and those are the kind of things that we talk about.
9: Just to add um, a little bit of additional information, I have been emailing with the state of Colorado because we have had some employees that have been interested in it and they have asked for what does the path look like, is it an open enrollment, Um, how do they get in? So I actually have been emailing with the state and I got an answer back this morning and they don't have a clear path yet. Um, (laughs) I know, it's only going to be in six months. Um, They do know right now that it will be a full online enrollment and that um, employees will have the opportunity ahead of time to opt in. And one unique thing is by the city actually collecting contributions and remitting them on the quarterly basis, that will actually um, take some of the work out of it for the employee. Because the way it stands now is that an employee that opts in on their own or a self-insured employee would actually be required to go in and quarterly report all their earnings and then remit their own contribution where the city would be doing that for them. Um, And one last thing I found out today that I thought would be pertinent information is that – I think that initially people, when they look at this, think that it's going to be just a replacement of income. And the way it's actually going to be administered today is that employees will actually have to file a claim, and it will go – so they're administering it similar to unemployment. So the employee would file a claim, it would go before a committee for review, and then they would uh, either approve or deny the claim for the leave to be paid. So um, it it doesn't appear that it's quite as easy as initially thought.
0: Are you open for questions at yes, this ma'am. point? Yes, ma'am. Okay, it's <laughs> Councillor Martin. Thank you, Mayor Pack. Um,
3: I, I think you've answered two of my questions, and I'm just going to uh, you know go over it again. Sure. The city is going to administer the process for employees who want to opt in. Yes, ma'am. So that's a good thing. Um, It doesn't cost more to opt in than if the city as a whole opted in per employee. That is correct. That's also good. Um, And then we don't know yet whether it's open enrollment all year long or whether they're just going to be windows. So that was the biggest question, and we can't answer that yet. That is correct. Okay. So one other thing is, is uh, which groups of employees already have uh, long leave uh, provisions? Is that the
5: public safety contracts that have that, or, or who does? Our, our full-time employees have uh, sick leave benefits that accrue over time as they're employed within the city. It's, it's all full-time, including those that are collected bargaining.
3: Okay, I I'm, I'm misread the... Um, the uh, council communication then, because I thought it said that some employees have and others don't, and I was thinking about part-time. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, the other thing is, uh, can I assume, or can we assume, that a um, an employee's family benefits begin after they have exhausted their accrued sick leave benefits?
5: So... I believe. <laughs> See, I don't know that we know that yet, Councilmember <laughs> Martin. I mean, you can have both. I mean, you can have benefits through the city and also uh, participate in family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that there's necessarily. I mean, you can't kind of double double dip with respect to leave share, for example. If you choose family, then you're not eligible for the leave
9: share program, also. Um, But I'm not sure that we know necessarily Yeah, you you know, actually I didn't understand your question. I apologize Okay So the way that it is designed is that they want family to run concurrently with FMLA So if you work for an employer that has FMLA they want that family to run concurrently So an example that I can give you where we would actually have multiple things possibly in play Would be is if someone has a baby so they take their 12 weeks of leave and Mm -hmm. say they have opted into family So then they're on family So that would run concurrently, and at that point in time, say they needed additional time after that. Once they come back from their FMLA and go into an unpaid leave status, they would be able to accept leave donations at that point in time. Okay, that was actually, that's a good answer, but that was not my actual question.
3: My question was, uh, suppose that I have uh, four days of sick leave, Mm -hmm. and I use that. To, you know, to take care of getting my mom into hospice. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that it's going to be a long haul in hospice. Um, and I want to use my family mm-hmm. benefits then. If I apply for family benefits, they don't go back to the time when I was using sick leave and didn't need those benefits. They would start after
9: I had exhausted
3: my sick leave.
9: That is correct. Thank it you. is a full leave replacement. So it is a uh, income replacement program. So you would exhaust your leave, and then you would use the family, which the city allows anyway. You can exhaust your leave prior to going on an FMLA. So that would still work well with that program for that employee that
2: chose it. Well, and I I do want to point something out that we do that's not common as employers. So a lot of employers, they run FMLA concurrent with sick leave and, and or the sick leave donation program. We don't do that. We don't start FMLA until you're done with the sick leave program, and so then that comes after, which when you look at it, it's actually a greater benefit for the person versus running them concurrently, and so those are distinctions that when you start evaluating all of this, we said, just, you know, we're, we're putting more on the table. So you could use your sick leave, you could do a sick leave donation, and then you could utilize
0: Councilor Hidalgo-Ferring.
4: Thank you, Mayor. So um, yeah, actually, your statement helped answer my question with the FNLA. So (laughs) thank you for that. Um, You know, I
9: um, so the city does not have a sick leave bank. Do we have? The city does not have a sick leave bank. What we have instead is um, a leave share program. Mm -hmm. So if I were to go on leave and then I exhausted my leave and I still needed additional time, whether on FMLA or if I'm even on an unpaid leave status, I would apply then for donated leave. Okay. And I, I can say, you never know, but our, the city's employees are very generous.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Um, thank you. And then, the so the other, you know, I saw that, okay, even if the city opts out, employees can still opt in. So, I you know, I my concern with that is, you know, how would it be more um, of a process for the employee to be able to get back on if the city as a whole has already
9: opted out? I guess I just kind of wanted to visualize what that looked like. like. Sure. So um, that would be what it will either be, either an open enrollment period or a period of enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I got from the state, because I specifically asked that question is, what does this look like? Is it paper forms? Is it cumbersome? And it looks like there will actually be a dedicated website. They'll sign up as a user, and then they'll be able to go on and sign up for the program fully online.
4: And then how come, so now if the city just says, OK, we're going to stay with the program, and if you choose to opt out, um, how come?
9: Did you you look at that as an option? Would that even be an option? um, It is not an option. So the city as a whole can opt out. But if the city as an employer, as a whole, opts in, then individual employees cannot opt out. Every employee is locked in at that point in time to the plan.
4: Okay. So then in the end, this actually gives employees more choice and um, autonomy over
9: what they choose what's best for their family and themselves. Yes, ma'am. It lets employers make a decision to fit their personal circumstance as opposed to us making a decision for everyone. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that clarified a lot for me. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So
0: seeing no one else in the queue, I do have a point of clarification for myself. If the city decides as a whole, if they wanted to opt into this program, does the uh, program that we have in place now go away or do we have double programs?
9: It would be double programs, Madam Mayor. Okay. It's meant to be an addition to something existing or a replacement for a small business that perhaps has nothing. Okay,
0: thank you for that. Yes, ma'am. So now uh, it looks like um, staff is looking for a direction here. They want to know if we're going to, uh, if a formal vote to opt out of participating in the state uh, family program. If we want to direct them to do that or move forward with automatic participation in the program. So um, can we have uh, a motion here either to opt out totally and go with what we have or to go with the state family. And do I have that correct?
2: Those are sure. our two options. Well if we opt out, it means we're not in it as an organization exactly. or employer, but our employees can still participate in it.
0: Okay. So as an employer, one of the options that they're looking for direction is, as an employer, should we formally uh, vote to opt out of the program? Or do we just want to move forward with automatic participation in the program? Clear. Sorry, and
2: and staff's recommendation is to opt out.
0: Right. Thank you. So um, I make the motion that the city have the option to opt out so that all employees
9: of the city will be able to opt in or opt out of family. Did I say that right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay,
0: so your motion is to opt out as an employer. Thank you. Do we have a second? So the motion to opt out of the family program through the state was made by Councilor Yarbrough, seconded by Councilor Waters. Do we have any discussion here, or are we good? All those in favor, let's vote. Yep. So that passes unanimously.
9: Wonderful. Thank you, Madam and members of the City Council.
0: Thank you, Gina. Before we go on to the rest, do we need a bio break here for five minutes? So we want to go through. All right, looks like we're all good. So we are at the final call, public invited to be heard. Anybody out there want to talk? <laughs> I see no one in, in the public. Uh, so we're at Mayor and Council comments. Do we have any comments
6: from? Uh, looks like Councillor Mar- uh, Waters. Thanks, Mayor Peck. Uh, two comments. One, um, just reflecting on the questions that Councilmember Martin had regarding a co-responder program, and and I and the answers were all good ones. Um, but it does it did remind me that we have had multiple conversations at, at times about external evaluation of city programs, and in in many cases those that are in public safety. That's where. You know, we've got a handful of pretty innovative programs. And while Commander uh, Brown, um, you know, talked about the data, and I have no doubt what Dan is has collected and what he's doing, that there is a lot of data. Um, that's a little bit different than somebody from the outside coming in and evaluating, not just are you doing what you say you're going to do, but are you achieving what you say you're going to achieve, or the outcomes, not just the outputs. So... Um, I know a couple of years ago we encouraged you to budget to do at least three program of external evaluations of city evalu- city programs on an annual basis. I hope when we see the budget, because that'll be a question I'll ask when we get into it, just as a heads up. I think we ought to keep doing that. I think we ought to. The, part of the response to the question is yes. Here's our external evaluator, like we did with the rewind and and uh, LCJP uh, programs a couple years ago. Number one. Number the second comment would be. Um, everybody today in the country is horrified by what we saw in Texas and what's happened over and over again. So I'm reminded as I watch what what is unfolding, what we were able to get started, not to accomplish, in uh, the the fall of 2018 and into the winter of 2019, and what came to the council ultimately uh, as a report. And uh, in that report, four areas of common ground uh, that whether, regardless of where one is on a continuum of gun enthusiasts and rally for the rights to uh, Moms Demand Action and folks who are, would like to see, you know, way more regulation than what, what's happening in the country right now. Regardless of where people were on that continuum, now, we went through a process that gave people a chance to sit and listen to one another, and they did. It was a remarkable moment in my, in my, in my recollection. Um, and there were those four areas um, uh, addressing the causes of violence in our society and firearms being one of the instruments used. But how do we reduce ri- risks of violence generally, and then what does it mean in terms of firearms? Number one. Number two educating about the use of firearms and from safe storage to you know what one does in you know firearm safety programs Uh, and what what people ought to know not to do kids in particular when there are firearms around number three was to do more in battle with mental health and i know this is a theme that we hear from the mayor on a regular basis and it's a a concern shared by everybody and the fourth was advocacy, and that could mean a lot of different things to, you know, whoever is advocating for policy uh, solutions. Um, but I hope uh, in the, in the, the cons- as we continue to, to experience the angst that goes along with what's happening in the country, that at some time we might come back to those four areas of common ground on which we can work together to increase, to reduce risks of violence generally in this community.
0: Councillor Hidalgo, fairing.
4: Um, thank you, Mayor, and um, thank you, Council Member Waters, for those comments. Um, you know, I was I learned about it in the classroom, um, and I was debating whether or not to even say anything because I didn't know how I would react. Um, but as third grade teacher, um, you know, this situation really hits home. Um, in my classroom, I have this large cupboard right next to the door. And for the last, I don't know, 15 years, I've always had that covered or one similar, depending on the classroom I'm in, by the door. Because I think about how I could barricade the door in the event of a school shooting. Um, how I could protect our, my kids. Um, you know, that's enough. I'm, You know, I've heard from so many teachers today, um, through my, you know, not just colleagues in St. Rain, but throughout the state and throughout the nation, through NEA. Um, That's enough. And I really do hope that we come together and we come up with solutions, because it's not going to be one answer. It's going to be a myriad of answers and topics that we need to discuss. Um, You know, mental health is something that I'm very passionate about. My daughter survived three suicide attempts. I have a son with autism, and he struggles daily. and so, you know, I know that mental health, you know, is a, is a big impact. But our culture of violence um, has to be addressed. It has to be, we have to be open and okay to talk about it and criticize it and make changes to to fix it. Um, you know, my, my husband owns guns. You know, he's a gun enthusiast. Um, I am not, but we manage to set aside our differences and we have things locked up. We are safe. We keep them out of the hands of our, of our kids. They weren't even in our house when my daughter was a threat. Um, they weren't even on the side of the continental divide. They were with my brother-in-law. Um, so, you know, it is, and so that education piece also needs to play a role um, in families making the right kinds of decisions to keep their families and our community safe. Um, I do want to applaud our public safety. They've done a lot um, over, the, over the years with the CORE and LEADS team. Um, in 2013, when my daughter attempted, and we were scared, she was you know, stepping, you know, just being really aggressive, and we, we called the police. And this was before prior to the, the change to public safety. And I tell you, 30 seconds in, I, we, I realized I made the biggest mistake. Cause they had her pinned to the floor and treated her like a criminal. And she was in crisis. And I've seen how much public safety has evolved over the years. And I commend the work that they do with the core team, the lead team. You know, I'm, my family is living proof that these, these programs work. And, and they save families. And, you know, I want to be able to, to build up our strengths so we can keep our community safe. Um, you know, we thought... There, were, there wouldn't be a shooting in the in church, it happened. There wouldn't be a shooting in a movie theater, it happened. In our schools, it happened. Nowhere in our grocery stores, it happened. There, there isn't anywhere that's, that's safe. And so it is up to us as lawmakers, it is up to us as, as a city, staff, and a, a community to take the
0: lead and keep our, keep our community safe. So, thank you. Thank you, though. it was, it, you're, you're correct. I agree with both comments. And um, I do remember the uh, community conversation that we had, and it was good. Um, and just uh, as an FYI, the commissioners reached out to the different mayors and want to know if we want to have a county conversation so that we are all on the same page about how we want to support our cities. So we will be having that conversation, but I would like comments from councillors as to what you want me to bring to the table in that conversation. And then at some point, um, sooner rather than later, I would like us to have a special meeting with, uh, it would be open to the public, with no public input. Just the the council needs to sit and talk about this um, and, and decide what we want to do as a city. So that that will be a conversation I'll have with uh, the city manager and see how we can work that out sooner rather than later. So thank you for those comments. Anyone else? City manager, do you have any
2: comments? No comments, Mayor Council.
0: Thank you. City attorney Eugene?
2: No comments, Mayor.
0: Thank you. Um, Can we have a motion to adjourn? Thank you. So it's been moved by Councillor Waters, seconded by Councillor Martin, to adjourn. Let's vote. That passes unanimously. Thank you, everybody. See you next Tuesday.